Hey, everybody. Welcome to the first conversation of 2021 here at the Neighbors Church podcast. Uh, Happy New Year to you. Well done. If you're listening (laughs) to this, you made it. 2020 is officially in the books, and we are six days into 2021. Like we actually made it. Yeah, we, we've done it. 2020 is is over in the rear view mirror, uh, and it has left us uh, bruised, to say the least. And so um, you're probably justified right now in looking towards this next year with a little fear and a little trepidation. Uh, there, there's... There is a collective anxiety that we are all dealing with where our, our, our cages have been rattled, we've been shaken, and none of us knows what this year could serve up. I remember one time we were all driving in the car, our family was, and Sophia was asking Dan and I the likelihood of something. Yeah, the likelihood of like some event happening. Yeah, yeah. some event happening. And I was like, oh, Sophia, like, that's not going to happen. Like zero, like nothing. That's not going to no, happen. No, I think you said that's like point zero 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 one percent. Yeah. <laughs> and then Sophia was like, mom, literally, you know, four months ago, you would have said there was like a point zero 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 one five six chance that a global pandemic would take over the world and shut us down. And when she said that, I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. I stand corrected. Like, we literally just don't know what's going to happen. Aliens. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready. Aliens. So, I mean, it does kind of feel like 2020 was a huge surprise year for all of us, and that surprise wasn't necessarily like a welcomed surprise. Yeah, we got caught on our heels. Yeah. No doubt about it. And so, you know, we're all just kind of living our lives, cruising along, and then 2020 hits, and it was a... um a blow for some. I mean, many people lost their jobs. Um, you know, for us, planting a church that was very unexpected and overwhelming to say the least. And so, you know, we go about cruising right along, living our well lived and planned lives, and these kinds of things can shake us. And so, I actually remember last year on New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm watching all the New Year's Eve bashes, you know, on TV and stuff, because that's what you do when you're old. You don't actually go to a New Year's bash. You just stay home and watch oh, the I'm New at Year's a stage bashes. Of the game. I'm at a stage <laughs> of the game where that's my opportunity to check out and fall asleep. Like, I go full coma. <laughs> this is true. So I was watching the New Year's bashes, and it was so funny because it was literally like 2020 was the world's oyster. Everyone was like, yeah. oh, man, it's this new decade of amazing opportunity. And then 2020 served us. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was definitely me at 2020. I was, you know, I was buying into all the silly puns, 2020 clear vision. And our little church plant was getting her feet underneath her, uh, super cute, beautiful little precious community being formed. We'd finally ironed out all the 8 billion issues of trying to meet on the campus of SDSU. And, uh, we were gathering and Sunday mornings were just building and kids were coming forward. Like, I want to just go for it with Jesus and kids are coming forward. They want to get baptized. And, and then, yeah, like you guys, I got this weird email from, from the campus, from SDSU saying, you know, it's all going to, it's all going to shut down here for a little bit because of the COVID-19 virus. And I thought, oh yeah, a couple of weeks, we'll be good. We'll weather this fine. And we were literally thinking like, this is going to be like three weeks. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that doesn't even include, I could have never, when I, January 1st, 2020, I could have never envisioned just the the terrible pain 
that 2020 brought. I'm, I'm not even talking even about global plague. I'm talking about the racial tensions that have always been there. But they surfaced in such a profoundly painful way in our society. And, of course, the, the social schisms, uh, the political debacle. Um, you didn't say shenanigans. I didn't because my son keeps calling me out on that. He, he thinks it's funny. Dan loves to say political shenanigans. <laughs> yeah. But we're all catching on to it, so now we're kind of teasing him for yeah. it. All of that to say, um, we're heading into a new year. And if you are anxious, dear friend, you're justified in that. It's been terrifying. It's been it's been overwhelming. That would make us want to ask, though, how, in light of last year, how do we prepare for 2021? I would say <laughs> grab a survival kit and head for the hills. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> for real, though, how do we balance all that we learned this past year? Because, yes, last year had um, a lot of heartache and bruising, but there was also so much good that came out of 2021. And so, you know, I learned, we all learned, we don't have control. Mm -hmm. You know, that's one of the first lessons we all probably learned. We don't have control. And so in light of that, how do we still look forward and keep pressing on? Because there's this like weird tension that happens where it's like, I know I don't have control over the future. And as Christians, we're told, you know, don't boast about tomorrow, but also... There is a reality of not looking back and keep pressing on and, and looking I, forward. And I think pressing forward into health. Mm-hmm. You know, 2020 has um, been a real uh, crucible is the old word, the old King James word, or a really hot year that has burned away a lot of dross. And I think God is inviting us to move into 2021 with um, a different perspective and to move into 2021 not with... Um, resignation to, oh, this could be another horrific year, so I'm going to plan for the worst. Mm -hmm. But whatever comes this year, uh, I want to be healthy. I want to be emotionally, mentally, spiritually, relationally healthy. This is the time of year where everyone wants to set goals. You know, historically, I don't know what everyone's doing this year, but historically people are like, okay, I want to lose whatever, so many pounds. This is where we start pretending like we're actually going to go to the gym the whole year and not eat sugar for the rest of the year. I'm not going to eat sugar or I'm going to go vegan or I'm going to go strictly paleo or like some of our friends in Seattle that all they do is eat meat, like only (laughs) eat meat, which literally sounds so disgusting to me. (laughs) But all that to say, Um, you know, this is the time of year where we do a lot of goal setting. And so how do we set goals? Because with goal setting, there comes a sense of expectation. And so how do we have expectation in light of knowing from last year and learning from last year that our expectations um, can be shattered? Yeah, we got to set like Jesus-y goals. Mm -hmm. Kingdom of God goals. Yeah. And in all truth, as apprentices of Jesus, we do have much good to look forward to. We have his presence. We have the Holy Spirit. And with the Holy Spirit, that means for us as Jesus followers, we have greater love and joy and peace, greater patience. I'm always praying for that. Greater patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We have the Holy Spirit. And these are his fruits. And these fruits are marked are they are marks in our lives as maturing Christians. And it honestly gives us um, this next year is really providing us more opportunity to have more of his presence in our life. Oh, for sure. For sure. 
yeah, presence. Yeah. So how are how are you preparing for 2021, Dan? Well, you know, all the joking aside, I am keying in on St. Paul's words to um, to not look behind, but to press on towards the upward call for which Jesus called my wife and I. Uh, there are purposes in the cosmic plan of God that COVID and 2020 have not thwarted by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, in the grand economy of God and in his genius of um, working good out of grief, uh, Voskamp, we're going to be quoting her today as we've been talking a lot about her book. She talks about how God does not intend or does not want to bring suffering to his people, but he labors to birth goodness out of grief. And so, so beautiful. It is. And so, as I look forward to 2021, I'm actually looking forward with some real anticipation. Uh, God has used this last year to radically reorient my perspective and where I root my joy. And one of the things that is most clear for me, and I, I, I'm like a very simple person. My brain works in very simple categories. I just need like one big idea. And I like to chew on one or two, maybe three tops, big ideas, especially for like a year long journey. I know the Enneagram sevens right now are just like freaking out. No, don't trap me into one big idea, but this is how my brain works. And so one of the keys that I'm going into 2021 with is learning to value every second this year. I am at a stage of life where I don't want to waste a single moment, either lamenting and regretting 2020 and my past or fearing what the next day in 2021 can bring. You know, I just uh, turned 44. He is such a good looking 44 year old. Thank you. Thank you. Man. I'll take it. I'll take it all day long. Um, Yeah, I recently turned 44, and I know that this is cliche, but when you're 44, you can say it because it's real. It feels like time is speeding up on me. It feels like, you know, time is, it's getting away from me. Um, You know, it was nine years ago, I turned 35, and I woke up that morning, and literally my first thought was, oh my gosh, I'm halfway to 70. It's over. (laughs) <laughs> my, my life is, it's, I am over the hill and now I'm halfway to 88 y'all. Like I am over the hill. I'm, I'm on the, I'm on the back end of this thing. We now did starting Google the, though. We did Google that you're not technically middle-aged until you're 46 and then it's from 46 to 60 that you're actually middle-aged, right? 40, so, 45 to 60, according so you, to HuffPost. Okay. So according to HuffPost guys, you will be middle-aged from 45 to 60. So Dan's one year away from being middle-aged. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's crazy. And it it really did, it kind of snuck up on me like a, I don't know, man, like a ninja in a martial arts movie. I just didn't even see this moment coming. Um, And it's good. You know, we're in this radical transition stage as husband and wife. Uh, My oldest, Sophia, she's having lengthy talks about moving out. She's uh, in college now, taking her college classes and preparing for, you know, moving out and going to college officially. My middle girl, Nyla, she's getting ready to start driving. 
And my son, Joby, grew like five inches last week. It's like he just rolled out of bed one day. Five. In- I mean, literally. So a couple of weeks ago, I'm walking through the living room, minding my own business, and he caught me from behind one of those surprise wrestling matches that happen often in our home. And literally for the first time since this started, since he was like a little, little kid, I thought, oh, my gosh my son is about to take me down. Like I thought he's strong enough to actually take me down. And then I quickly got my footing and to put him in his place, I like to kind of fold him up. I'll put his head between his legs and I'll just like sit there and I'll say to him, Joby, tap out. I'm going to put your head so far up your rear that you're not even going to be able to get it out. And my girls will get their phones out and they'll film it while I'm folding Joby up until he finally taps. It's hilarious. (laughs) But here's the deal. For one brief half second, uh, I realized, oh, there's coming a time where, um, I'm not going to be able to turn around and get my footing and fold him up like a pretzel. He, he's going to get stronger than me and my, my youth is fleeting. And so mm-hmm. this is a radically um, transi- transition time. It's a radical transition time for me in uh, my mid-40s or coming up on my mid-40s and with my kids. Uh, we're in this season of church planting where um, the edges, the rough edges that I had have been knocked off by other church plant ministry life uh, and leadership life in the church. And now I'm, I'm just at this stage of, um, I would say, calm and looking forward to leading in the church and planting neighbor's church. And what I've realized in this season is, is we, I have two choices. And the first is kind of ludicrous, but we tend to do this. It's to lament this transition to lament that time is flying by. It's to fight the inevitable and, and try to pretend like my kids are still little and, and rather than them becoming adults. And, mm-hmm. Or the other choice is to completely embrace this moment. And that is what 2021 for me is going to be. It's going to be embracing the daily moment. I think by God's grace um, and by the, the, the wisdom and the goodness of the Holy Spirit indwelling me, I find myself looking at this new year, just saying, I'm not going to miss a single second. And the reality is if we don't intentionally choose to do that, you know, in our go, go, go crazy culture and our busy calendars, um, we don't realize that a primary emphasis of the biblical authors is to learn to value and not miss the present moment. One of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 90. And the psalmist says that we receive wisdom by learning to limit our days, by, by numbering our days, recognizing that we only have a certain amount of time. Psalm 90 verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I see that so clearly in times that I get to spend with my grandma and she's 89 years old now. And just talking to her, actually, the last time I saw her was in June, and her and I were sitting out on the back porch and um, just having this conversation about life. And my dear grandma, she has dementia now, and but she has these moments of clarity. And it was in a moment of clarity that she was telling me that things, it feels for her, just speeding by. And it's like mentally, she can't keep track of it all. Like her brain is just deteriorating. And so she can't keep track of all the details. And so sometimes when we're all together with the kids and stuff, she has this constant worry of, well, where's where's so-and-so? And it's because she can't keep up with all the comings and goings. But what I love about um, the wisdom my grandma, you know, gives 
through all of her years that she's lived is she does. She's gained a heart of wisdom where in that conversation on the back porch, she was telling me, you know, things are, things have moved by so quickly and I can't keep up with it anymore. But one thing I know is like, she's like, all the worrying I did when I was younger, she was like, just none of that even matters now. And I just remember having that conversation with her and realizing wow, to have lived so many years where you get to the end of your life and you realize, wow, the things that were top priority or the things that held a lot of, um, took up a lot of space in my brain for worry and that kind of thing, just no longer have their hold and it wasn't worth it. She, through her years, gained wisdom and learned to trust Jesus more and to worry less. Um it's just I so profound. That. Oh, it's so good. And, and so if I, let's say I get to live as long as Claire has lived and I, I'm, f- that's 45 years. Yep. If I could heed her counsel and say, you know, listen to what she said, the things that I worried about, they just don't matter now. You know, as we're looking forward to 2021, uh, we are an A-type kind of Enneagram 3 society. And so we make our plans, we make our goals. We're going to go conquer 2021, you know. um, Our setbacks are our greatest comebacks. (laughs) So goes the coaching. We have so many cliches. Oh, so many ridiculous cliches. But they're awesome. (laughs) 2020 was our setback, but 2021 is going to be our big comeback. Listen, Jesus' brother, James, he basically had to rebuke his community uh, for assuming too much about tomorrow. And this is really helpful for me to to actually rest in. His words sound harsh, but they're actually a very gentle comfort to my own soul. James says to his community, now, hey, listen, you guys who say today or tomorrow, we're going to go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on in business and make money. Like, you know, we're making our plans this year for 2021. And then James is just blunt. He's like really honest. He's like, verse 14 of James 4, why you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. You know, just read your journal from 2020. We don't know what's going to happen this year. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. And I'm keying in on on that idea of the Lord's will, receiving the Lord's will, what's emerging out of prayer and friendships and life in the day in, day out struggles. Uh, Gerald May, psychiatrist slash contemplative author from the 70s and 80s, he talks about the difference between willfulness and willingness. And I've lived my whole life with a willfulness. You know, in my 20s and 30s, I, I would bend my future to my will. I would, Try to bend. Oh, man. I, <laughs> with all my effort and prayer and energy and worry and zeal, I would try to bend the future to fit my will. And this transition has happened, um, especially when we left Seattle. There was huge cataclysmic changes that were happening in my soul and landed here in San Diego with Park Hill and neighbors now, um, where what May describes as a willingness. It's It's a posture of heart that says today... I am willing to do what God wants me to do, whatever is presented to me, rather than forcing my will upon today. And, and James's brother, Jesus, he actually emphasized that life in the present moment is a life well lived. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, Jesus says, just like Claire says to us, hey, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to worry about itself. 
each day has enough trouble of its own. Mm-hmm. So as I'm looking forward to 2021, the big idea for me is I don't want to miss a second. If God does not return or we, uh, I'm, I'm granted another year of life, when I roll into January 1, 2022, I want to be able to look back through all 365 days, each minute, each second, and say, this year I was more present to God, more present to his purposes, more willing to receive from him Mm -hmm. rather than willful in getting him to do what I wanted him to do. Um, And honestly, it makes 2021 a delight, no matter what comes. Mm -hmm. No matter what comes this year, with this present awareness and this willingness uh, there's a there's a real expectation of joy and excitement and hope because honestly I'll be with my dad I'm going to be with my dad all this year walking through the cool in this new garden relationship that I have with him you know, Ann Voskamp, um, we mentioned yeah, her earlier. Yeah, we are loving her right now. Yeah, she has had incredible content during this Advent season. And um, she actually said one day um, on an Instagram post, um, she posted, I will not let worry overrule this moment or this Advent season. When the King rules my heart, I cease to rule or to worry. All worrying makes me King and God incompetent. I am going to trust that in the little places, through unexpected people, his perfect story is unfolding and unwrapping all around me and in me, the light overtaking the dark. I love that quote, as we've talked about not worrying, not uh, focusing on what tomorrow's going to bring. And I'm really honestly convicted um, in that whole section where she talks about that worrying makes us king and it makes God incompetent. Mm. And really at the root of our worries, this unbelief that God is not capable. Um, And that's really convicting because we do spend so much of our days worrying and not trusting that he's going to be capable, that he is equipped to handle whatever a new year can bring us. Yeah. Yeah. And worry is rooted in the need to control. And um, I opened our staff meeting the other day asking, you know, what is it right now that you are most trying to control? Because mm-hmm. that's what's going to be creating the, the nasty chemical cocktail in your body of, uh, you know, ad- adrenaline and cortisol and all the stress hormones and your nervous system is going to be on overdrive because you're trying to control a tomorrow that doesn't exist yet. And God really is competent. Uh, he, he really is. 2021 can be a year of learning to rest in God's comp- competence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, competence. The other thing that I'm doing um, that I have found helpful, my wife doesn't find it as helpful, but maybe you will, maybe you won't, is each year my family chooses a word. Just one word. And that word, we labor to filter our days through that one word. And so... <laughs> Last year, this is so funny. It's not funny. It's well, it is funny, but it's not funny at all. Last year, my word was receive. I was being all like mystical and spiritual about it. I was like, and this doesn't mean that I'm looking to this year to receive God's great favor and God's great blessings and it's just gonna go so well. And I was like literally telling people, no, receive means come whatever may. I'm gonna receive it as God's working in me and working through me and shaping me and bringing me into union. And then 2020 hits. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So crazy. Joke's on you. Yeah. But what has what has uh, what has been birthed out of 2020 
Oddly enough, and this is the counterintuitive, upside-down way of the kingdom of Jesus, as I approach 2021, um, my word is joy. Um, I love that. Yeah, I, I increasingly am feeling that the hallmark of a mature Christian is, of course, love and gentleness and peace and patience, all of those things. But lately, when in my times of imaginative prayer, it's funny. Jesus always has like this almost like high school prankster smile on his face. Like he's just delighted. He's just so full of joy. And though he was a man acquainted with grief, when I envision him with his disciples, uh, I think he genuinely was enjoying his life as, mm-hmm. a, as a human. Uh, I think he genuinely, genuinely reveled in communion with his father in the present moment with an explosive joy. And so this joy, uh, I'm going to wax spiritual again uh, and trust that 2021 won't be as crazy as 2020. But if it is, the joy that I want this year is unshakable. And it's not going to be based on the circumstances that unfold um, in front of us. It's a joy that is rooted in the gospel of Jesus, starting with the the foundation that the the great I am, that's the Old Testament name for God, the source of all existence, who cast a trillion suns into the universe and created the Himalayas and used, in my opinion, eons to bring about his image bearers. And I mean, this brilliant genius creator who spans all of time, exists outside of time, has no beginning, has no end. He made me. I'm not a mistake. The fact that I'm breathing air today as a reflection and an emanation from the Trinity, from my Trinitarian God, is the foundation of my joy. Uh, He created me to enjoy being in relationship with him. And then all the other wonders of the gospel that God has indwelt me, that God has forgiven me, that God will raise me from the dead. These core tenets of the gospel that I think sometimes take second place in our in our meditation, in the way that we frame up our lives. I'm letting these things um, be my source of joy. And then one other final thought on this. Um, my joy is not going to be rooted this year. At least I'm praying it. it's not. My joy is not going to be rooted in necessarily my longings and my dreams being fulfilled. Um, <laughs> I, love, I love the church, but the church has honestly sold me a bill of goods um, where God wants to fulfill all your biggest dreams. And I think he does in some ways, but sometimes it takes a really long time. And for some people, some dreams are never fulfilled. And so when you live your life, chasing a particular dream, it can begin to feel like you're just chasing a carrot that you're never going to catch. But recently I started reading um, Julia of Norwich, and this has, been, this has been pivotal for me. And I'm very grateful for this. Julia of Norwich, she was a 14th century mystic. In her 30s, she became very, very ill. She was given a series of 16 visions, some of which were kind of crazy. Others of them were a little bit more normal. And one of the themes that arose from her experiences that she translated into her, into her book was that our longings, that is what we're dreaming for, the desires that we have, are as much God's presence as the fulfillment of those longings. What I heard her saying was, 
um, my deepest desires, the dreams that I want fulfilled, while I ache for them, before they're fulfilled, I'm still in God's presence. He's He's using my longing to keep me in his presence. Um, and she talked about how there are certain humans that God made grace to ache and long for him in a certain way their entire life until they actually die. They will spend their whole life praying for this certain thing or for his presence to come in a certain way, and it won't come, but it is, it is as nothing in comparison to the fullness of God's presence through eternity. Mm-hmm. And so I'm actually rooting, this is going to sound so counterintuitive, but my joy is not going to be in God answered this prayer this year. Although he may answer a lot of prayers this year, my joy is going to be in I am praying more fervently than I ever have in my entire life for God's presence to come in the way that I've always longed for it to. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't, then he gifted me with this deep ache to walk with him. And I rejoice in that. I literally, right now, even in my body, I feel joy because my king has called me to pray and to be one with him. And it's... it's uh, it's a new thing for me at mm-hmm. this stage of my life. Mm-hmm. So I think that's enough from me, babe. You are wise and brilliant, and uh, I cue my life off of you in so many ways. We've been talking a lot, and you've got some stuff in store for 2021 that I think I'll kind of cut and paste into my own life. <laughs> yeah, as I've been thinking about 2021, um, I've actually been thinking about 2021 in light of Abrahamic righteousness. <laughs> My wife, the, the theologian. No, um, last year, uh, I don't know if you guys know, I um, have been part of this theological theology cohort with um, Dr. Gary Brashears through Western Seminary. And our first semester, um, you know, we're going through, actually the, for the first, I think the first year, we basically went through the entirety of the Bible. Um, but in our first semester, we were covering the Pentateuch, and um, we talked about Abrahamic righteousness and why Abraham was counted as righteous, these things that marked his life that counted him as righteous. And I'm just going to list them real quickly for you. One was he was loyal. There was a loyalty that he lived toward Yahweh. Um, There was also this trust, this belief that he had in Yahweh. And then there was this obedience to Yahweh that you saw in his life. And then he also had this um, expectation. He was looking to the provision of Yahweh. So he had this hopeful expectation in the provision of Yahweh. So all of that, that Abrahamic righteousness, all of those things um, that marked his life, God looked at, Yahweh looked at and said, Abraham, you are counted righteous for those things, these marks in your life. Mm-hmm. And so I know for me personally, I've as I've been reflecting on that, I'm also reading through Genesis right now, um, and I've been studying um, these texts. Um, for me personally, I have really been considering, like, what does loyalty look like in my life? And um, what is trust and belief Lo- loyalty in Loyalty to God? Or to, yeah, loyalty to, to God. Um, oh. And what is trust in the Lord going to look like for me in 2021? And obedience and looking to Him for provision. And so, um, for me, the loyalty piece is really interesting because with Abraham, Abraham obeyed the Lord, when the Lord told him, you know, I want you to go to this new land. And, um, he gave a promise to Abraham. I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Um, 
But he was also going to a place where he could be killed. Abraham could have been killed in that land. And Mm -hmm. so Abraham still loyally went and um, obeyed God. And so I know for me, the loyal piece to God that I want my life to be marked by in 2021 is a willingness to go and do what God's asking of me um, and be loyal to that, regardless of what could happen, the potential, you know, the giants in the land, so to speak. You guys, my wife, I just, I wanted to say this. My wife doesn't live this in the abstract. And um, there have been times where we have talked through our lives and and looked to the future. And, and she, she uh, sometimes in rebuke of me and sometimes just to comfort me, she has said, no matter what, no matter what comes on my last day, I want to be known for having followed Jesus all the way to the end. And it has... For those of you that know my wife personally, there's a resolute strength in her that comes from that deep conviction and decision towards loyalty. And I, I, I was joking, but I'm not joking at all. I'm cueing off of that word as well. And in many ways, following her lead this year, what does it look like to be shepherded by my wife with her life example towards radical loyalty to, mm-hmm. to my father, to my God? Yeah. Thank you for those encouraging words. <laughs> um, also, you know, with Abraham, he had this life of trust, and you really see that the righteousness um, that Abraham is marked by, that God says you are counted righteous, is located in Abraham's trust in Yahweh. And so, trusting uh, Yahweh's word even when it made no sense, was Abraham taking his one son that he got at the tail end of his life, he was willing to take that one son and sacrifice him if need be. So he had this trust in Yahweh. And for me, going back to even that Ann Voskamp quote, I want my life this year to be marked by a trust that um, I'm willing to see the moving of the Spirit in those little places through unexpected people. And I want to have this trust that God's story is unfolding in my life, in my family's life, in our church's life, um, even if um, I can't see all that's happening. You know, we talked about a couple weeks ago in our community group, this idea of um, Eugene Peterson's long obedience in the same direction. Long, slow obedience in the same direction. Yeah, and there's a trust that's that's required in that in that long obedience in the same direction. There's a trust that's required to take the next step even if you're not practically tangibly seeing, you know, what you want. And so I know for me this next year I really I want to just trust and believe in the Lord um even when it makes no sense. Mm. And then Abraham's life was marked also by an obedience um to God. And Yahweh actually commanded him that he would, that Abraham was to teach his children and his household after him to obey the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord would bring Abraham what he had promised him. And so um, I want my life this year to be marked by obedience. I want 2021 to be a year of obedience. We've been reading through Reappearing Church um, as as our community group. And uh, Reappearing Church was written by Mark Sayers. And last night we were talking about um, the idea of patterns. Mm-hmm. And Mark Sayers says in his book that um, 
patterns are these ways that it's like we can point, we can use our patterns, I guess I'd say, we can use our, our patterns to point our habits toward heaven. Hmm. Um, he says, God's God-focused patterns live today, are seeds planted to be reaped in tomorrow's harvest of renewal. And so I know for me with obedience, I just want to keep diligently planting seeds in the seedbed of my heart that next year, five years from now, 10 years from now, at the end of my life, there's this fruitful harvest. And so some of those patterns are so practical. It's literally like reading my Bible, you know, being with the community of God and being intentional about that, fasting, caring for and welcoming the stranger, um, spending time with people, you know, even talking about my, my dear little grandma, I think about those elderly people that are just sitting in nursing homes and, you know, going to people like them and spending time with them, the forgotten. Mm. And so I want my life to be marked by that. And then this year, I, I, I like Abraham, I want to look expectantly to Yahweh for provision. And, um, you know, Abraham was going to give, walk up that mountain with his son Isaac and was willing to give his son as a sacrifice. And even Isaac's like, hey, dad, uh, where's the lamb that's going to be sacrificed? And Abraham said, God will provide the lamb. And sure enough, God did provide the ram that was in the thicket. And Abraham named that place the Lord will provide. And so I anticipate with uh, a holy expectation, I am looking expectantly to the provision of the Lord um, this coming year. That's super practical for us, what my wife is talking about. And I, honey, I wanted you to talk a little bit more about this because you approach it from such a surrendered, loyal, trusting perspective. You know, um, <clears throat> at Neighbors, we're trying to get our church on her feet, uh, and the global pandemic has not helped that at all. So we have timelines that we're working on, all of those things, and we're we're really needing the Lord's provision. We're trusting Him for that. But you have often said, even if that doesn't happen, how are you seeing? And we totally believe it is going to happen. I mean, God has been so faithful. Mm-hmm. But in a in the world where maybe it doesn't happen. How are you seeing the Lord's provision? What are you looking for in the Lord's provision this year? Even when we're facing, and lots of people are facing this year, job loss and, you know, possible rental loss or possible mortgage loss, these really difficult um, provision losses. What will God provide that you're looking for in those situations? I think that's where the obedience piece is important and the trust piece, because even if our expectation that thing that we're like, okay, I'm, I'm looking for the provision of the Lord. Even if that provision isn't met, that's where we have to go back to trust that the provision that we thought we we wanted or we needed or had to happen, that's where we have to trust our God who knows all and can see beyond what we can see. And we have to trust in that. And that's why I honestly think um, loyalty, mm. obedience, trust, looking expectantly to Yahweh for provision, all of those are linked together. They all have to be linked together. Otherwise, it gets lopsided. Mm. See, guys, that's why I'm going to be my wife's roadie in her <laughs> itinerant preaching, teaching, oh, public career because because of those little nuggets of gold. Uh, I'm, I'm committing the next 20 years to just be my wife's roadie. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> You know, as we kind of wrap up this conversation, um, this is the way our king lived, you guys. 
And our little family of churches that we're a part of, the circle of churches that we run in, um, we use the language of uh, be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what Jesus did as a discipleship framework. And this is what Jesus of Nazareth did. He lived in the present moment. I do believe that Jesus was the most joyful human you could have ever been around. And so, like my king, as I spend time with him this year, rejoicing in his salvation and his great love, I want to become the most joyful human uh, this year that you've ever met by the spirit of Jesus. Jesus was loyal. He was loyal to his father all the way to the end, which makes him covenantally loyal to you. Mm-hmm. Um, our loyalty is not rooted in our own ability. It's rooted in Jesus's covenant loyalty to us. And Jesus as a human had to trust. Yep. He faced the ultimate in uncertainties. As he went to the cross, he cried out, is there any other way? He was terrified. And yet, as a human empowered by the Holy Spirit, as our example and as our champion, he trusted. He trusted his Father. And for the joy set before him, he endured uh, the cross. He was obedient, radically, radically obedient. And ultimately, the Abraham stories and the story even of of the sacrifice of Isaac leads to the ultimate moment when the father had to sacrifice his own son for you and I. He provided the ultimate lamb uh, for our forgiveness and for our well-being. And so he was the provision. He was the provision. And so I think as my wife and I, you know, get into your headspace here at the very beginning of 2021, Jesus is your provision. Jesus is all you need, my friend. Jesus is enough. And, you know, come hell or heaven this year, at the center of all of that is Jesus for our souls. And so may you, um, from this moment on, embrace these words, embrace these ideas, pray them into your soul, come up with your own list of things, kingdom things that you're doing to, to go into 2021 with hands wide open, with expectancy, with joy, with peace, with love, in union with your Father walking with the Son, empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's going to be a great year, you guys. It's going to be an incredible year. Shalom. Shalom.